This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Mark from Marinda Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marinda Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, it's Thursday night. It's Finsider Podcast Night. As always, you can talk to us by calling 347-326-9461 or tweet us using the hashtag Finsider. Welcome in my co-host, Chris. How are you tonight? Oh, Chris, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me try that again. Chris, how are you tonight? I'm doing much better now. (laughs) And of course, as always, James, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's Thursday night. It's podcast night, and it's all about Dolphins talk, so it's always a good night. Uh, Well, where do we start? Do we start talking about tomorrow's game? Do we start talking about last week's game? Or do we just go straight to hard knocks? What do you guys want to do? Huh. <laughs> well, nobody answered too fast, so let's go to hard knocks. Yeah. Uh, what'd you guys think? I think it was depressing well, in the beginning, in the end, and lots of good information in the middle. Yeah. That was a that was a heavy way to start and a heavy way to end the show. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was one of those T V moments at the end that I was just sitting there kinda squirming on the couch like, man, I really want to change the channel because I don't like stuff like that. And I was like, man, it's just kinda awkward. Because, you mean we already know what happens and it's just watching him watching him do that, kind of like, you know, this is pretty much going to end your career, but this isn't working out. Let's just be friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny uh, watch, or listening to all the reactions and seeing them ESPN and NFL Network and all the articles written online about Philbin and how he handled the situation from everybody going, hey, he did it right, to it was absolutely the worst thing and he's lost the locker room because of this and he shouldn't have had the cameras in there and all that kind of stuff so what do you guys think of Philbin his handling of it I liked it I mean he's pretty even killed kind of guy he doesn't seem to um, I, I did read Dave, Dave Hyde's 
uh, kind of review of it, and I, I kind of agree with the way he said it was. He said he was watching this morning show and just say, "Just come out and say it," and I kind of agree with that. It's kind of like just get it, get it over with. But I think he did the right. I think he made the right decision, and I think he did it, you know, the right way. I don't, I don't think the cameras matter. Um, so I, I didn't mind the way he handled it at all. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people just because it was so awkward, it just it it felt strange to be sitting there watching such a moment. And I've had I've I've read people saying that um it was all completely done for TV and that Philbin should never have done that and then it's like, okay, so what should he have done? Just called him up on the phone and said, Hey, you're fired. I mean he at least brought him in there and looked him in the eye when he said, hey, we're going a different direction. And I can't fault him for that. Now, should the cameras have been in there? Maybe, maybe not. That's probably a personal choice on whether or not you'd like to see in that awkward moment. But Chad Johnson knows the situation. He knows that HBO's there. Everybody knows it. If it wasn't on the show, it would have been – overly obvious that the Dolphins had said, no, you can't film that, because everybody knew it happened. So I think the Dolphins had to air it. It had to be sitting there. It had to be shown. Yeah, and I think that, I don't know, I was kind of nervous as, as to uh, how Chad Johnson would react. And I thought he handled it well, because I think he kind of knows, he kind of knew what was coming. Yeah, they talked about it a little bit earlier about you know him saying that this is going to be the death penalty for me, isn't it? Kind of like yeah, I, I kind of know this is coming, which in a sense, but also kind of alludes to the fact that he knew he was on thin ice to begin with. I mean, if this was like if this was Devon Best, you know, or Jake Long or somebody that has been around and you wouldn't expect this from, you think, wow, that, that's kind of weird, but. You know, he kind of saw it coming after it happened, so he kind of knew yeah. that he had a very small margin for error. So I think and that should let the viewers know that, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, we signed him, this is going to be a good thing, and then this came out of the blue or something. Yeah, and I think the show this week did a good job. I think the first week the idea was to show how – or the show to, to work on his confidence. And show everything great about him. And then the show this week showed a little bit more of, hey, he did have problems. He's not the greatest wide receiver ever to play the game suddenly after being as horrible as he was last year in New England. So I think they did a better jo- or a good job of, hey, this is not necessarily all about that one arrest. He did have problems. I mean, David Garrard sitting in a film room going, what is he doing? Kind of clues you in that maybe he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Did he look fast? Sure. Did he seem to have his hands and could catch a ball? Sure. But was he doing exactly what the Dolphins wanted? You could say that they made it all up so that they had justification to fire him after and make it not just about the arrest. But apparently it looks like they had more than just the arrest to try to get rid of him. And I was I was happy when they brought him in because he could add something to the team. But like I said back then, it's a low-risk, high-reward. Well, the low-risk bit him, and he's gone. For the Dolphins, it didn't really cost a whole lot. 
Yeah. So. And I was got, never really a huge fan of the move. I thought I was whenever it came out that we were kind of shopping for a veteran receiver. I wanted to go after Braylon Edwards, and uh, because I thought, you know, if nothing else, the guys, he's bigger, he's younger, um, he's still got the speed, and, and, you know, he's a guy that you're not going to rely on to be a number one guy, but he can still make things happen. And so I, I was kind of disappointed of the way things happened that way, but I kept, you know, tried to keep an open mind was, you know, hey, let's see, Chad Johnson still got it, but, you know, at this point, I think he was just a progress stopper, and even though, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, didn't show the receivers and tight ends and stuff and necessarily a great life the other night. I think that at this point, I think Fieldman's like, you know what, we're going to make do with what we have and let's move forward with that and see how it works and, you know, then worry about it in 2013. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just saw Adam Schefter tweeted out that Drew Brees is announcing the birth of his son. So I think that's his third child. So congratulations to Drew Brees. Now give Dan Marino back his record. Um, <laughs> but no, I think uh, I think I think I think what got all of us worked up over the past week is just how fast this all fell apart. I mean, Johnson was starting Friday night for the Dolphins was out there with the first team. Sure, he let that one ball go through his hands, but was that in was that indi- indi- the I can't talk tonight apparently. Was that indicative I really cannot say that word. Indicative. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know why I can't say that word tonight. <laughs> was that indicative of <laughs> um everything that is wrong with him or was it that the one pass that went his way, he happened to drop. I don't know. Obviously, we don't know because he didn't get another ball thrown his way. So that you can't really say that that's a trend. Oh, my God, he was dropping everything because literally he dropped every single pass that went his way in Miami because only one went his way. But from going from starter to arrest to release and now adding on to it to divorce – to probable charges because uh, Evelyn seems to want to press the charges. And rumors are coming out that some woman in Boston has said that she was his mistress and um, she was with him throughout his engagement time and even after the marriage. I don't know when he was randomly up in Boston to be with her, but hey, whatever. And then – now stories are also coming out that he had been beating Evelyn since they got together. So mm-hmm. given given, oh given Evelyn and how she is on TV, I kind of question whether or not he was beating her the whole time and she just took it. But um, it's interesting, and if more people come out and more witnesses come out to support that, got it. Right now, I kind of go with the – it's people making up sensational stories to make up sensational stories against him. But uh, the fun of Chad Johnson formerly being on your team. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, one thing I noticed about Hard Knocks, and this is more of a, a technical thing, I guess, but you know, I was watching the one pass that they threw to him. 
you know, he's out there doing his little yells and stuff. And then uh, Sherman calls down from the booth and says, let's throw the, chant, the slant to Chad. Well, in a typical slant, if you're lined up on the if you're lined up on the right side like he was, your left foot is forward, and you run you run ahead typically ahead three steps. You'll end up on your right foot, so you can cut to the inside. Well, he didn't do that. What he did is he ran to the outside as if he were trying to get an outside release, and then cut back inside. It was actually pretty nifty, and I think you know some of our younger receivers should be paying attention to things like that because he absolutely beat that corner with a great move. I thought he just didn't catch the pass, but. Now, guys like Wallace or whatever, they would run your normal slant, have trouble getting open. He ran to the outside, he got the he got the corner turned, cut back inside. Beautiful. I, I thought it was great. Right. I, it was. I mean, he just didn't bring the ball down. But um, to uh, change subjects real quick, uh, Patrick on Twitter sent us. Oh, oh, I forgot I had this sent us a tweet question. Ooh, I have birdies. I forgot all about that. I haven't gotten a tweet question almost... I think I've gotten one before this since we've done the show. So, Patrick, thank you for uh, letting me use my sound effects. I got to do it again. (laughs) Um, If you want to follow him, he's at Dolphan, D-O-L-F-A-N, like we would all know, 518. He asks, uh, Hey, Kevin, who do you see leading the team in interceptions this year? I I, I want to say it's going to be Sean Smith. Everything I've heard about him in training camp has said that he's been amazing out there. We saw it on Chad Johnson a little bit during hard knocks that he's able to shut people down. Um, Omar Kelly tweeted during the show that that's not just on Chad. That is what he has been doing on everybody I want to say that it's going to be Chris, or Chris. What am I saying? Chad John. I shouldn't be doing the show tonight. I think. I want to say that it's going to be Sean Smith. Um, I have to see it in the game before I'm convinced that it can be him. Just because we've all seen him be in the right position and be able to get his hands on the ball, but not be able to bring down the pick. If it's not going to be Smith, um. I'd probably say either Marshall or Rashad Jones. One of those two will be able to get their hands on balls. Jones has that ball-hawking nature. He just tends to put himself out of position. So if he's making interceptions, great. If he's not, it's probably going to end up being a big play over him. But we'll see. And then, of course, I I don't skip Clemens because I think he's a very solid – um, safety. He's the guy that I picked to be the starter, and I like him. He's in position. He does great things by being in position, but he doesn't come down with the ball a lot. I think once Jimmy Wilson gets in, if he can show that he's not going to go up for the pass or for the interception and try to catch it in his stomach and hand it back to the receiver, but that he's learned from that and will go up and try to get that ball at its highest point – he has the skills to be able to bring in some interceptions this year. So my answer, to make a short answer really long, my answer is uh, Smith. If not Smith, you're looking at either Marshall or Jones with Jimmy Wilson as a possibility too. What do you guys think? 
Um, I think it's either going to be Jones or I'm going to stick with Davis. He always seems to, you know, he always seems to, to find a way to, to pick off the ball. I mean, he'll get beat at times, but between him and Smith, like usually Smith might be in better position, but Bonte's always the guy that comes away with the ball. So uh, I don't know if he'll lead, but I think he'll be right up there. He does, and he very well could. He's got to figure out this fitness thing and be able to get on the field. I just, hey, I just looked up and guess who's scoring a touchdown for the Falcons? Some guy named Polite. Huh. Look at that. Go Lusaka Monster. Get in the end zone. I think they're going to rule it a touchdown. If not, it was a catch coming out of the backfield. If not, he's down at the one-inch line. But, yeah, it should be a touchdown. But, yeah, just odd to look up and see Polite going in the end zone. So, I think I think Davis will get back on the field as the starter at some point. I don't know if it'll be week one, but I just think that this coaching staff has they, – they say they haven't lost faith in him, but I – completely think they have. I think that he, after showing up out of shape last year and then coming back in this year and showing up out of shape, he's already shown a trend. And it's a new coaching staff, but when everybody knows he was out of shape last year because we saw him cramping so much in week one, then it's not like it's a hidden fact for the new coaching staff. So... I I like Davis. I really think he does good things out there on the field. I really think that together Davis and Smith could be really special, but he's got he's got to get straight. But and one thing about you can think about too in that respect is that if Smith is just playing as good as we see him play against Chad Johnson on hard knocks, and Richard Marshall goes over to cover the slot guy. It may be that Monte gets more opportunities just because they're throwing in his direction. I mean, you saw, you know, uh, Namdi Azamua never got a ton of interceptions because they never threw in his direction. So it could be just something simple like that, too. Hey, Chris, real quick, because I can't remember it off the top of my head and it's not popping up when I type. What's your Twitter handle? The Earl 007. I couldn't remember if V was in there or not. So, hey, if you want to follow... Chris on Twitter, it's the Earl at double O seven. And the double O is zeros. Yeah. <laughs> the Earl the Earl itself was already taken, so and you can and at my... Texas Cow Punk, which is really hard to remember. Texas Cow Punk is at Texas Cow Punk, and that's how you can follow James. Hey, look at that. I'm hooking you guys up tonight. Yeah, everyone can join my mad legion of 24 followers. <laughs> Come on, guys. If you're listening, help him out. <laughs> that way, when he retweets stories from the page, it goes to more than 24 people. <laughs> I don't think I have a whole lot more than that, so don't feel bad. <laughs> well, I, I typically don't tweet a lot until the season starts, so I'll, I will definitely be on there during game days tweeting something, something silly or something on there, but... Or I'm always sending tweets to people. I'm always trying to get Roberto Wallace to talk to me, so he has a couple of times. 
I was happy. I, the uh, story I did earlier today on uh, Derek Shelby, he retweeted. I always like when they when players uh, when players retweet my stories. It just makes me feel a little bit better. Because <laughs> I don't know why you guys read what I write. It's so funny. I really don't. But hey, um, keep doing it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I don't know. I just I enjoy the fact that I get to write about the dolphins and put it out there. Um, I the fact that you guys read it and actually respond is pretty amazing to me. But hey, it works. Luckily, uh, Maddie gave me enough. Uh, <laughs> I just read Strange's comment in the thread. <laughs> James, you commented on it too. Don't worry, Kevin. You are still speaking more clearly than Bob Greasy. <laughs> I can't speak tonight, but I'm doing better than Bob Greasy. That makes me feel better. <laughs> but, um, I, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Something about writing on the thread. Oh, Maddie gave me a good foundation, so I had a trapped audience at first. So how I haven't chased you all away yet, I don't know. But somehow you're still here, and things seem to be working. Is that what they mean by captive audience? I think so. I think that's what I meant to say too, which goes back to my Bob Greasy, uh, Bob Greasy imitation tonight. I bought We're one of those. Call you Kevin Greasy the rest of the night. <laughs> it's better than Max Package, but that is a whole other issue. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> no, I think I think we just found out Chad Johnson's porno name. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Johnson is Max Package. <laughs> Dred Johnson is Max Package Sex Architect Now I do any of you know the reference oh. I don't know that Somebody, somebody will put it in the uh, thread Somebody knows that reference I guarantee it If you don't I'm going to be sad And I'll have to start singing um, Let's go to the mall Let's go to the mall It's an awesome song <laughs> but okay, so anyway, the awkward random references of Kevin. Um, ooh, Beaver's commenting. What did Beaver comment? Oh, he just said thanks, pal. That's not fun. I can't read that, Beaver. You got to give me something better. Uh, I just keep giving him various links till he can get onto the podcast somehow. Okay. Um, I bought one of those uh, Soda Stream things that you make your own soda. It's interesting. But I'm wondering if uh, whatever I'm drinking tonight has something more in it than just soda flavoring. Is that why I can't talk tonight? <laughs> but Okay, so going back to a topic of, well, dolphins or anything, um, Chris Hogan, is he making the, is he making the uh, roster? And Paranoid Fin Fan got it. With How I Met Your Mother was the random reference I had. I didn't even hear what you said earlier. What was what was the <laughs> reference to uh, How I Met Your Mother? Max Package, Sex Architect. When it was Ted Mosby, Sex Architect. Yes. So that was the uh, the Sex Architect was the reference. But okay, so Chris Hogan is he making the roster? No. You don't think so? Is he making practice squad? 
he might like to practice squat. I mean, somebody might poach him. There's somebody out there that's going to need a receiver. And, you know, and I agree with what somebody said in, uh, in another thread on the on the site was that people have been poaching before Hard Knocks ever came out. So it's not like, oh, wow, we just saw this guy on Hard Knocks. Let's go get him. I mean, they, there's people, there's scouts probably every game watching different people. So, um, and I kind of agree with Omar in this sense of that, He's been saying, yeah, he, he's getting open, but he's playing against third-string guys. He said, he's not going to be 7-11 if Sean Smith's guarding him, and you don't see that. So it's a nice story, and it, it would be nice if he could make it, but, you know, until I see him going up against the first-stringers, guys like that, and, and getting open like that, then, you know, I'm not going to buy into the hype just yet. Yeah, uh, he's not up against Smith. It's... I mean, there's no way around it. That's the point right there. But now, if he's beating Davis, I'm gonna be worried. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think he may be ahead of Clyde Gates at this point. Um, and Gates is my bubble player right now. If the Dolphins are gonna carry seven wide receivers, it's uh, it's Gates that's gonna be the guy. And I keep coming back to this. I talked to James about this earlier today. I keep coming back to every time I try to make a new depth chart or I try to make a 53-man roster, I can't cut wide receivers down to six. I always come out with seven. And I sit there and I stare at them and I try to figure out who's going to be the sixth or who's going to be the seventh that gets cut. And most of the time it's Gates. Um Recently I haven't even included him because I specifically tried not to, and I still end up with seven. And I don't know why. I, I just something tells me that with the group that we have, and like Jeff Ireland said, we have a group of four, fives, and sixes. We're looking for ones, twos, and threes right now. And if we take a larger population of wide receivers, more odds that a one, two, or three pops up. Obviously, Hartline takes a roster spot if they're going to keep him, and he probably has a chance to be a one. Um, Roberto Wallace probably has a chance to be a one. Bess has the two. Um, Nani is probably a three. Could be a two. But, I mean, you, you have a group in there that has potential, but I just don't know who to cut to get down to six without losing somebody. And then everybody that I do cut, I want to stash on the practice squad, which makes a practice squad full of wide receivers and nothing else. And I'm just like, I don't know what else to do. I just I can't figure it out. I think the Dolphins end up taking seven wide receivers right now. Now, with that said, um, you could end up taking seven wide receivers using the fact that Hogan is a defensive back slash wide receiver. So if you took him as the seventh wide receiver and you took one fewer defensive back, theoretically you have an extra defensive back that – in an emergency situation, could go in there and play it until you could sign somebody. Here's the um, trick to defensive back, though, that I think works in what you're talking about is, uh, I think with Sperano, we typically carried uh, five corners and four safeties, if I'm not mistaken. With Jimmy Wilson having experience at corner and safety, they may decide just to go with four corners and four safeties, and he would be kind of like the fifth corner yeah. Uh, assuming he's not in the, the, the starting role. Although, you know, there's been some buzz about that uh, 
Anderson guy playing well in camp, so he might make the the overall ninth DB, but um, that's a possibility so they could free up a roster spot for someone else. The guy I keep looking at who I keep cutting, and every time I cut him, people immediately react that he's going to make the roster, is Jamal Westerman. Everybody seems to love this guy, and everybody says he's doing great in camp, yet rookies are in front of him. I can't get past the fact that you have Olivier Vernon and you have undrafted free agent Derek Shelby sitting in front of him on the depth chart. And when Wake sits out, it's Shelby that gets that starting spot. So I, I it comes down to numbers game again. It's the same thing as the seven wide receivers. I have to keep – I have to cut somebody, and Westerman keeps being my bubble guy that gets cut. Like Gates, I keep cutting Westerman. And I – could he make it? I 100% think he could, but I just don't see it right now, and I, I don't know. And, yes, Jason Scott, I, I, I do think Hartline has a good chance, either Hartline or Garrard, of ending up on the injured reserve if the NFLPA gets around to approving – the change in the rules, which as of a week and a half ago, I guess, they hadn't done. Um, I guess theoretically they could have by now, but I haven't heard anything. Um, they, The NFL back in April, maybe May, approved to change the IR, injured reserve, rules that a player placed on injured reserve in the preseason one time per year per team a player could be removed from injured reserve to be brought back into active status sometime later in the year. So with that in mind, a David Garrard, who's going to take time to recuperate from surgery, a Brian Hartline, who is trying to come back from a calf injury after also having appendectomy surgery. So guys like that, that they're going to make the squad, but they're going to eat a position while they recover. They could be guys that get that IR slot with the plan to pull them out when we need them. Um, I, I really think that if that change does go through Heartline, one of two things will happen with Heartline. He'll end, either end up in that slot on IR or he's going to be cleared as soon as this game is over this week, which I think is also a possibility. Um, I go back and forth on what will happen for sure, but we'll see. Um, I don't really have an answer. I just I don't. I get stuck. I've made um I've made uh depth charts after depth charts and I just every time I come back to seven wide receivers and I don't know what else to do. I'll do another one this week after this game and I'm probably going to come back to seven wide receivers and it just seems like way too many especially when I look at the offensive line and the defensive line where I'd like to carry another person but I can't get rid of a wide receiver to do it. Uh, I'm frustrated by it. James, refresh your board. Um, oh. uh. Yeah, and I think one guy that's, that you know is a pleasant surprise is Julius Pruitt, and I, I, I've, yep. try, I've been trying to follow the Omar Kelly timeline because I read uh, some tweets that I was, I was trying to find from uh, a day or so ago. He says, uh, and I can't get this pop up because my computer is acting up right now. But it says that he says he finds it interesting that that Pruitt has been the only person playing backup to 
uh, Bess in the slot. He says he he thinks that that pretty much guarantees him a spot on the 53. And I'm fairly certain he was going to be on there just based on special teams because from everything I'm reading, he's the, maybe the best special teams player on the team. But, um, you know, so in a sense, you've got to think now that Johnson's gone, you've got you've got uh, Nani, Bess, and Hartline that you know are going to make it. Yep. Um, sounds like Pruitt is in that slot. So it opens up for two more guys. And right now it seems like that the, the two guys are going to be uh, Wallace and Moore. Um, yeah. But I think Rashad Matthews has an outside shot if he keeps it up as a returner because he keeps doing well in the return game. Then, you know, you throw him in there as a returner, he could be the seventh guy. But yeah, I think we're – let me see. I what I sent to James earlier today was Nani and Bess are the obvious guys on. Um, you have Nani, Bess, Wallace, probably Pruitt at four, which leaves you the fifth and sixth wide receiver spot to fill. Hartline picks one of those, which leaves Gates, Cunningham, Matthews, Hogan, Fuller, and Moore all fighting. Six guys fighting for one roster slot which is why I keep coming up with seven wide receivers because I still want I, – I, I would like to hold on to Gates because one day he's going to figure out route running, I believe. I'm not quite ready to declare him Ted Ginn yet, but he's getting closer and closer. I think Matthews could make it because he's showing the uh, the return man capability, so that's a possibility. Hogan could make it because of what we saw – this past week, if that's truly what he's like every single practice, he could make it. And Fuller could still make it because if the Dolphins are going with Tannehill, Fuller makes sense on the roster because it gives Tannehill a comfortable target that he knows and likes. So, yeah. Here's the thing, too, that I've read that, you know, about these fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receiver spots, these guys are going to have to win that on special teams. I mean, and I think it's Sometimes we start thinking about, well, we need to keep this guy because he's going to make an impact in the actual passing game. But we're talking about guys that are going to probably get less than 30 targets, you know, all year. Uh, you know, unless they're planning on a guy like Wallace being a starter or something like that. So these guys, if they want to make the team, are going to have to do it on special teams. Um, unless they just, you know, and I think for Gates, the only way this, I think what's going to help him would be to, uh, you know, just enhance his return ability. I think they've been trying him out as a punt returner as well. Um, so, I mean, if he can do that, I think he can lock up that spot because they want to develop him. Um, but if, if not, and a guy like Matthews comes in there and, you know, outperforms him as a kick returner, and they basically are not offering anything in terms of the receiving game, you know, then who are you keeping that, you know? I think that rules Gates out. So I think these guys are going to have to um, play really hard on special teams and try to earn their keep that way. Yeah, it, it probably is going to come down to special teams for these guys. How how do you separate a bunch of guys who are four, fives, and sixes that could make the roster? Let's go ahead. We have a guest caller. If you would like to call in, call in at 347-326-9461. Obviously, you can join us over at the Finsider in the live thread over there. And you can also tweet us using the hashtag Finsider. Um, 
I get the tweets really easily, as uh, Patrick H. showed, and I actually can remember that I have uh, nice uh, sound effects for it, too. So I'll send I'll, us I'll a tweet. I'll go for a second. I'll be right back. Okay. So uh, let's go ahead and bring in Dolphin for Life. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Good. Glad to hear it. I do have to ask, because I've never asked since you've been calling in the show, like, what, the fourth straight show or something like that? Which Dolphin for Life are you? Are you I or Y? Why? Okay, I'm just curious. <laughs> it's just me. I didn't know which one you were. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm the one with the Y. Okay. Uh, so what's up? Um, nothing much. Um, I, I've been like you. I do my little death charts and all that other stuff. But um, I had a thought, and this is actually a two-part situation. There's actually two questions that have nothing to do with themselves. <laughs> but um. Number one, I think what we do with Hardline is could we actually pull like a Will Allen move where we cut him if he doesn't show anything like as far as like progression, getting back on the field, anything in week three, and bringing him back if nobody clears up just to kind of give these guys a chance to make the roster and, you know, I mean, because to be honest with you, if if we don't find guys and we're hitting wide receiver early next year, and I see the potential there to not need to do it, but, I mean, when we had all that stuff with cornerback situation, we let Will Allen go, and, you know, we said, okay, we'll, we'll re-sign you if, you know, because I have seven wide receivers, too, and the one person I can't clearly put on there based on, like, last season's performance, the season before that's performance, is Hartline because he can't get on the field, and this is a new coaching staff. You know, so, yeah. I mean. I don't think I don't think they'll do the cut him to re-sign him thing just because it, it's too dangerous. Hartline has skills, and people have seen it. It's not it's not somebody at the end of their career like Will Allen was or is or should have been or something. Um it's a guy who he's in his fifth year. Fifth? Yeah, I think it's fifth year in the league. He's twenty seven years old, so it's not like he's gonna fall off all of a sudden. Especially when you have like thirty eight year old or whatever T O is. So mm-hmm. it it's a dangerous game to play. They could try it, but so, somebody would snatch him, I think. Somebody would call him up and say, hey, we will give you something more than the Dolphins are. He'd get in there in week one, making it fully guaranteed. So I think that uh, I think it would be a dangerous game to play. But, I mean, they, they've been known to do that before. Slayton's shown us a bunch of potential. I mean – Will yep. Allen, look at how quick he got snatched up once we decided not to bring him back. You know, I mean, sometimes you have to play that game and, you know, roll the dice in order to see if you're going to get a seven or a two. And yeah. I just, you know, I mean, it's one thing we know what he's capable of, but with all these injuries and all this time off the field, he, he you know, just like we said, Chad was taking away from players, at least Chad was getting on the field. 
you know, with T.O., it's the same thing. At least he's getting on the field. This guy right here, he can't. You know, if, if it's not his knee, then it's his appendectomy. You know, if it's not his appendectomy, then it's his leg. And if it's not his leg, then, you know, it, it's just too hard to just justify leaving him on the roster till he gets healthy. Especially I, think if, he, I think if that's going to be the case, if they're just to the point where, hey, we can't keep you on the roster because you can't get on the field, they just put him on IR and they just finish him for the year. I think that's what they would end up doing before they'd cut him and then try to re-sign him later. I think they just IR him. He doesn't eat a roster slot that way, and you move on. And as far as, like, the extra roster spot for the seventh receiver, it's one of two things. Either Slayton gets cut again, or you, you've got to look at the quarterback situation because you've got four quarterbacks. You know, Gerard yeah. can be placed on IR. You know, and if they pass this law, he can be brought back later on. But I mean, Devlin, Devlin's a long shot to make the roster, anyways, just to justify keeping him when you've got seven guys at receiver that all deserve a shot and all have their own little special skill. You know how? You know, if you're gonna keep Hartline, you have to cut somebody because, like, these kids are playing hard for a roster spot, and I see a possible. Two, at least a two, maybe a one later on down the line, just not this year. But Fuller has a chance to become a good number one. Um, and what's his name has a good chance of becoming a great number two. And to be honest with you, the one kid they call 7 Eleven. Yep. At least he can get on the field, and he's doing everything that we say justifies Heartline having a roster spot, except having actual game. I think what happens. I think what happens at quarterback all depends on if Garrard is healthy. If Garrard is healthy, you have Tannehill, Garrard, and Moore all making the roster, leaving Devlin off. Devlin then either goes to our practice squad or he gets poached to go somewhere else. If Gerard isn't going to come back healthy, obviously Devlin then becomes the third quarterback. The trick is going to be how long do we carry Gerard and more if Tannehill is starting. If Gerard is starting, Tannehill's the number two guy because he needs the reps. And Moore falls to number three. Now, on game day, sure, Moore could be number two and Tannehill three or however the coaches want to do it. But in practices, Tannehill is going to be the number two guy at worst because he needs the reps to get ready. Then you'd have Garrard starting. I, At this point, I, I granted, Moore could go out there in the next three preseason games and just destroy the league and suddenly – I completely changed my mind, but I just don't see more starting for this team this year. And I know it's going to upset a lot of people on the site because we have a lot of people who believe that the team owes more for what he did for us last year. And I completely disagree with that mentality because if we were going with that, then the team owed Brandon Marshall more than they gave him. The team owed Jason Taylor more than they ever gave him going to the Jets and to Washington. I mean, if we're playing that game, you always get the, well, this guy did something good last year, so we should keep him. 
I mean, look at Lusaka Polite, who we just saw in the Falcons. How quickly was he gone last year with the same coaching staff that had used him the year before to make every single fourth and one or third and one known to man? But isn't that the same the same game we're playing with Hartline justifying his roster spot? No, because no, because I'm still saying carry more. I still say carry Hartline. I just don't think that what you did last year necessarily earns you the starting role this year because it's a right. different coaching staff, a different system. So I think more gets carried on the roster. And I think in the end, he ends up the guy that gets traded away because he's the guy that has the potential still. Some team is going to take an injury and need a quarterback. Um, Dallas could lose Romo, uh, Kansas City, um, even like San Francisco. Although I think San Francisco, if they lost Smith, would happily turn to uh, Kaepernick. Isn't Kaepernick in San Francisco? I think so. Yeah, but Yeah, so... I think that uh I think there are teams out there that would like to grab more if at all possible. I mean the Jets. Hell, who's who's <laughs> who's Cam Newton's backup right now? Is it Clawson um, still? Yeah. So I mean even there, if something happened Derek to Anderson. Newton who is it? Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson's in Carolina? Didn't know that. Yeah, I guess he's I. Second string. I, is the third string. Yeah, I guess I need to uh, do my pregame um, write up pretty quickly for tomorrow. <laughs> but okay, so maybe maybe Carolina would be happy with Derek Anderson over Matt Moore. But there are teams out there that if they lose their starter, Matt Moore is probably going to be an attractive option over their number two quarterback. Because Moore at least has starting experience. So I can even see him going to the Patriots at this point with the way um, everybody's poster boy from last year who we didn't draft. Uh, uh, that he was a third rounder. What's his name again? Uh, Mister, I'm gonna write a rap song about the Dolphins since they wouldn't take me. Um, what's his I, name? I'm blanking right now. Seriously, there is something in this soda. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did have a second. It'll come to uh, me in a second. Real quick question. Yeah. Um, with all this infusion of the defensive end position, um, and Koamisi showing out, and Burnett, I don't know what the hell Burnett's doing. I think he's injured. But um, and Dansby. And Hoyer. Uh, no, Mallet. Uh, Mallet. Mallet, yeah. Mallet, there we go. They also yeah, because Mallet's out. not doing anything, but uh, I, I kind of read all the sites <laughs> and yeah. But okay, with so, all yeah. this with Dansby out, yep, and with um, Burnett out. Okay, now those two guys are eating up a lot of cap space between the two of them, like almost. I'd like to say 17 mil between the two of them. Um, any chance that we could possibly trade one of them or cut them uh, and infuse it with, like, one of these guys that are showing up? I mean, we have our third-round pick. We have Wake on the other side. We have Westerman, who's also played some outside linebacker. Um, 
I mean, that's just like that's a lot um, of money for the middle linebacker position. It is. I don't think I think both of them, if this were week one, would be playing. Uh you're you're close on there. It comes out to fifteen point seven, I think, million dollars for their their cap numbers combined for this year. Um I think uh I think if this were week one we'd see them playing. I think it's more of a they're veteran guys, they're a little nicked up, let's go ahead and let them rest. Um yeah. I th- I think we could very easily see the same thing happened this weekend and Wake not play because of that car accident earlier this week. Yeah. Um, I think that while no injuries involved, you getting a head-on or a sw- side-swiped uh, T-boned in- accident that totals your car and deploys all the airbags in both cars, it was a bad accident. And your yeah. body is going to be pretty well, uh, pretty well banged up. So he's probably pretty sore. It happened on Monday, I think. I think it was Monday. So uh, he he's had a few days to recover, and he could be fine. But the team could just go, you know what? You know you know how to get to the quarterback. I mean, really, what is Wake's job? They snap the ball, you go get the quarterback. They snap the ball on second down, go get the quarterback. Hey, on third down, go get the quarterback. I mean. That's Wake's job. I'm pretty sure he knows how to do it. So if they decided to sit him, I'm not going to complain. Um, I think it would be fun for him to sit because I do. I think, like I said in the thread today or in the post today, Shelby starting there, would I, I would love to watch Shelby against number ones because everybody seems to think that he is going to be something special. And I'd love to see it as an undrafted rookie out there against number ones in his second preseason game and see how he stands up. So, uh, both Vernon and Shelby give some time. I yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But um, but other than that, I mean, you know, I really like just looking at our roster right now. Where do you rank our defense? Like, just off the top of your head. I'd put us I'd put us top ten. Um I don't know if we'd go top five yet just because I haven't done the research on everybody else's defense. Um I know New England's defense should be a little bit better this year. Uh Buffalo's defense should be better this year. I think the Jets will completely fall off as a defense this year. Um so within the league or within the division I mean, we should be the top defense within our division. Within the league, top ten, um we were sixth last year, so I, right around there, we, we'd be knocking on the door for top five. I don't know if we'll get there, but we we should be close. The only reason I asked that is because I read an article where they ranked us at, like, the 26th. And I was like, are you seriously, like, saying that? Um, we had a top – was it a top 15 or a top 10 last year? I we ended up sixth against the run. No, we were third against the run. Third against the run, sixth in scoring defense. Is that what it was? Sixth, sixth in points scored. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I think overall we were top twelve somewhere around there. And the only thing they could have credited to was the scheme change. 
I mean, these guys are football players. They spent most of their college careers in the 4-3. There isn't very many 3-4 defenses in colleges. But, I mean, I just don't see it. But I've ate up way too much time of the show. (laughs) Y'all probably have other colleagues. Anytime. I tend to do that. (laughs) Anytime. We're, we're glad to have you on here. I look up again, and they're showing a replay of the polite touchdown. <laughs> Randomness. <clears throat> but thanks for calling in, and no uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah. Bye. Right, bye. <clears throat> so, Chris, everything good? Mm-mm. Yeah. Run off and run back? <laughs> okay. You all right, Chris? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but... Line hey, Volans, just joined us uh, Volans in the thread. Sorry. Go on, go on. I was going to say, Volans 53-man roster just hit, and uh, he has us keeping six wide receivers, Bess, Nani, Hartline, Wallace, Pruitt, and Hogan. Bastard. He should take seven. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. I, li- I like Volans. Well, he's got us keeping four tight ends and four running backs. Yeah, I think four tight ends are... Fasano, Clay, Agnew, and Mastrid. Correct. Okay. And then uh, running backs would be Thomas, Bush, which I don't know why I said them in that order, um, Miller, and Slayton. Correct. See, I think we have to keep Slayton. I would like to cut him, but I think you have to. Just because I had this uh, – I think it was C.T., I think that's who it was on the site I was discussing this with. And I I would like to cut Slayton, but you have Bush, who has never finished a 16-game season. You have Thomas, who was injured most of last year. And when he was healthy, he looked decent, but he hasn't proven yet that he's healthy and can stay healthy. And he had injury problems in college. And you have Lamar Miller, who's a rookie. So right. you can't – you cannot – look at any of those three guys and go, yes, they will be healthy all year and they will carry the ball for us. So Slayton gives you that veteran who at least has some experience and you can turn to and say, okay, I need you to carry the ball. Um, I I would like him to go, not for any personal reasons. I would just like him to go because I'm obsessed with this seven wide receiver thing and I have to find a way to keep seven wide receivers. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I like the seven wide receivers thing. But, okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, Strange said Mastered apparently has been relatively solid this camp. I think he has been. Um, he He's another one of these guys that everybody says we have to get rid of because he's not the up-the-seam tight end that is flashy. But you have to have that blocking tight end. And – this I know was CT. It was probably in that same thread about Slayton that uh, you you have to have – or he his argument was you get rid of Fasano. You get rid of guys like that because they're not the up-the-seam, stretch-it guys like Finley or Gates or any of these guys. And, I mean, that's true. But when you look at the other team's depth chart, we get all enamored with the big name. Yes, great. Finley is great, but 
when you turn around and look at the rest of the tight ends on the roster, you have that blocking tight end. You have that go out there and make that short catch guy. And that's what Fasano is. Fasano is a great possession wide receiver. Granted, he's a tight end, but he's a possession wide receiver. He can go out there and get you the catch that you need. He won't bust it for long yards, but he's going to get you that solid six, seven yards that gets you the next first down. And then Mastrid comes in there and is able to block. He won't go out and catch, but, I mean, when you look at Egnu right now, he's not blocking. All he's doing is running down and catching. When you look at Brown, he's not blocking. All he's doing is running down and catching. So somebody has to be the extra blocker. We have to have somebody that can help out the line when necessary. Because, I mean, are you going to ask Reggie Bush to do it? Bush isn't going to be able to chip people and stay healthy. So you have to keep it. You so yeah, I, I like Mastered. I think he uh I think he's right. I think I think those four, Fasano, Egnu, uh Mastered and uh Brown. No, not Brown. Who am I missing? He's got he's got Brown stats on the practice squad. Clay, that's who I'm talking that's who I forgot. Clay. Those guys have to be there at tight end. Um I, I like I think that Brown on the practice squad makes a ton of sense. Um somebody posted it in the thread a little while ago about when will they or will the coaches just go ahead and move Brown over to wide receiver? It's it's a very good possibility. Um, I, I think that it makes a ton of sense. They they said in this episode of Hard Knocks that he's great wide receiver, but he can't block. Well, then there's your answer. Put him at wide receiver. Stop trying to force him to be a tight end. But if he's a wide receiver, he's not making the squad because – we're already so deep at wide receiver. So tight end makes the most sense for him this year just to be able to claim that practice squad slot. But I don't know. Maybe he can develop the blocking very much so, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Everybody's Um, looking for that next athletic guy that didn't really play tight end in football. You're looking for the power forward basketball guy. Yep. Yep. And that's 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 why he's at that position partially, yeah. I believe. Yep, I agree. And then the Dolphins just have to go sign LeBron James, and everybody will be happy. <laughs> yeah, but um, I still okay. Random, what's on TV right now? This new commercial where Deion Sanders has the Manning brothers as fairies with him, throwing passes for the uh, Directv. And the direct TV on the go stuff from the mobile, which you can get with the Max package. Uh, <laughs> it always comes back to Max package. I, I do not understand that commercial at all because it's Eli Manning throwing a pass so a guy in a Patriots shirt can watch a Patriots game. How does that make any sense whatsoever? I just I don't get it. It I don't know. But um, okay, so. We've talked a ton of hard knocks. Preseason game tomorrow. Um, again, it's going to be a look at the depth, see the see the guys deep on the roster, and see who we can get to uh, perform and make the cut that are coming up. We have the 10-man cut coming up after game three, and we have the 27-man cut coming up after game four. So, 
The cuts are coming, but we're not quite there yet. So this game should be – we should see the starters play a little bit longer than we did this past game, but not a whole lot. Obviously, game three is the game that everybody uses as the um, dress rehearsal. So we'll see how it goes. Um, the Charlotte Observer is uh, reporting that uh, Ron Rivera is going to play his starters for the whole first half. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I don't know if the Dolphins will play all their starters. Like, I don't think Reggie Bush is playing the full first half. But I could see uh, – or Jake Long will probably come out. But I could see Pouncey in there. I could see – especially Jonathan Martin and um, Artis Hicks. I could see them in there just getting snap, getting snap after snap, so the two of them are working together still. Um, I, I could see, I could see us playing three, four, maybe five series, which would be about the first half with most of our starters. The question becomes, who's the starting quarterback? I think it's good if the Panthers play their starters at least on defense for the full half, because if we were um, a little tentative about starting Tannehill, and I know Philbin said he wanted to get him some reps against the one, yeah. so yeah, you start Matt Moore, let him play three or four series, then put Tannehill out there. He's still playing against their defensive starters, and he is, you know, unless they just think Tannehill has surpassed him at this point. I think I think you start Tannehill. Even if even if he hasn't surpassed him, you start Tannehill because if this is really a competition like they swear up and down it is, and I obviously it is, and you go by the experiences they were showing with Garrard and Moore as the top two alternating every other practice over who worked with the ones, and everybody has said Tannehill this week has been working more and more and more with the ones – I think you start Tannehill because it's his turn. It, it may not mean anything on the depth chart in the end, but you start Tannehill this week because it's his turn. That gives you one game experience of more starting. That gives you one game experience of Tannehill starting, which then you take those two sets of film, you decide who your starter is, and you start him in week three. So that way you can see him for an entire three quarters or so. So... But I think uh, – let's see. I think you pull – if you're going to start – if you're going to keep the starters in <coughs> a extended period of time, you're taking Long out. You're probably taking Incognito out. Um, you're playing Pouncey, Hicks, and Martin on the line. Fasano's probably coming out. You're playing Clay and Agnew. More to just let them get the reps. Um, Bush is coming out. Thomas is getting more reps as the starting running back or with the starters, not necessarily as the starting running back. And wide receivers, Bess is probably coming out. Um, wow, whoever this backup quarterback is for the Bengals just ran off a freaking 25 yard run. Wow. I don't know. Oh, but it's I think Kowski. I think. I think Harry Hamlin is their third string quarterback. But yeah, um <laughs> <laughs> He looked an awful lot like him on the sidelines. Yeah. 
but <laughs> we'll see. Uh, defense side, Cam Wake is coming out if he starts. Um, I think the linebackers, I don't think we're going to see. If Dansby and Meese start, or not Meese, Burnett start, um, they're not going to be in there very long. I think I think Smith will probably come out early, and Vontae will go in to try to either show him where he stands or to show the coaches what he can do. So I think Vontae will play Smith, which leaves Vontae and Marshall as the corners. And then Carroll can come in in the nickel packages. Safety, Jones will probably come out, which will put Culver in. And then Clemens will play part of it, and Wilson will play the other part. And that's pretty good for just coming up with that, just sitting here on the couch. <laughs> but, uh, so, um, yeah, I think Tannehill starts. I, I really do. I think Tannehill starts this week. James, you didn't give your opinion. Who's starting? I think I think you've got to throw Tannehill out and see what you've got. Yeah. I think – I mean, it either heightens the – he needs to start right away or it quiets it down and we all go, okay, he does need more time to develop. I right. mean, it either solidifies him or it lets the fan base go, okay, no, not yet. Because right now, if Moore starts and he throws – I mean, I'm talking week one – but if Moore starts week one and we've never seen Tannehill with the starters, you're going to have a Tebow situation going on. As soon as Moore starts to struggle, we're going to look for the rookie. We're going to want him in there. And it, it, that's, I mean, especially with our fan base, with how reactionary we are right now, because we're all looking for that spark that's going to carry us to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl eventually. And, we haven't seen it in so long. We want the quick fix. We have to find it. And if Moore is struggling, our first reaction is not going to be, okay, he needs more time. Okay, it was a bad game. It's going to be put Tannehill in because he might be better. And then if Tannehill struggles, we're going to say sign somebody or put Devlin in or get Garrard back or something. And that that's – it's dangerous. So I think you have to start more at some point. If only, or I'm sorry, start Tannehill at some point, if only to let the fans see what he looks like. But if we if we react like we should, because if Tannehill comes out tomorrow, throws you know has a all right game or throws you know, two or three picks or something, there's going to be a good bit of fans. I would say that will come out and be like, see, this was a mistake. We shouldn't have drafted him, blah, oh, yeah. blah, blah. So. Oh, yeah. We we definitely will have that. But we we have we, – we will always have that no matter what because until we, until we draft Dan Marino again, everybody's going to question us. And what we forget about is the fact that Dan Marino had questions. That's why he fell to us. He was the last quarterback taken in the first round of the 1983 draft. I mean, he, he was not the number one overall guy. He was not the guy people saw as ready to go. He sat until week six of the season. I mean, it, it's not exactly like 
everybody thought Marino was going to be what Marino became. So I'm, I'm, it's a dangerous line. I know it is. I'm not trying to say Ryan Tannehill is Dan Marino. And I, I clearly don't want to ever say that. I don't care if we actually drafted a clone of Dan Marino. Dan Marino was a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, just like Peyton Manning is a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, and somehow the Colts seem to have gotten him twice. So I don't know. But um, Dan Marino was a a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, and I had a discussion on Twitter today with somebody about this. Uh, SB Nation wrote an article, which I fan-shotted earlier today, talking about is Tannehill ready to start? And they quoted me in it from a post I had on the site, but they when they tweeted out the uh, tweet, they CC'd me on it, basically. And they put on there, is Tannehill finally – or do the Dolphins finally have a replacement for Marino? And a guy on Twitter, he he immediately said no. And I wrote back, and I'm like, well, why not? And he got – he got wrapped around. I'm not saying it wrapped around like he was wrong in this. It is a valid way to look at it. That we're trying to put the pressure of he has to be Dan Marino. And I looked at replace as we've been trying to replace Dan Marino for 13 years. Every single quarterback that's gone in there we've hoped is the replacement for Dan Marino because he may not be as good as Dan Marino, but in essence – Whoever finally solidifies this starting job and plays two, three, four years in a row as the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback is Dan Marino's replacement. And all the guys between whoever this is, Tannehill, or if he doesn't make it, whoever it is next, and Marino don't matter. They were all backups for Marino until we found the next guy. And I think that's what – and and that's SB Nation eventually got into the discussion too. That that's what the point was. But I think we run a dangerous line because no matter who plays quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, we're immediately going to turn to is he the next Dan Marino? Even if we don't say it, that's what fans are thinking: is he the next Dan Marino? And it it's a very very dangerous slope we're on. But at the same time. Tannehill is the guy that we're looking at. I mean, can Tannehill be the guy that can solidify the quarterback position? We all hope he is. If he comes out in week two of the preseason and throws 27 interceptions, we're going to have the fans that are going to overreact because we have the fans that overreact when – Chris Hogan looks like the greatest wide receiver ever. We have fans that go to the, oh, my God, he's the next number one. Why aren't we starting him? Just like we'll have fans that when he drops a pass say, he's horrible, cut him now, get rid of the bum. And we're going to have the same thing when Tannehill throws a touchdown pass. That's why he needs to be in there, and we're going to have fans that when he throws an interception are going to say he needs to be cut. We, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. We we're just very overreactive. I think I think it stems from my part. I think it stems from the fact that I think as Dolphins fans, you know, 
first of all, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, younger fans that never got to see Marino. Um, but I think it just stems from, you know, we don't get a lot of good media attention. You know, most of the media attention we get is of the Chad Johnson type, you know. And we just haven't won. And I think that's just it. It's just fans are tired of, you know, fans are tired of being of being mediocre. And I think it also comes down to the fact that, you know, Dan Marino did fall to us in the draft. And I remember, you know, getting into it with some people, you know, when we're talking about, you know, on the, on the sucks for luck bandwagon or whatever. And, you know, people are like, we don't want to lose games, but we still want to draft a guy like Andrew Luck. We want... It's like we want the best of both worlds, and it's not right. happening. So I was like, if you want Andrew Luck, then you need to go 1-15. And, and I said, if you want Luck, you know, you have to be down with that. If, if you don't, you know, you're going to have to hope a guy like Ryan Tannehill or, you know, imagine if we were drafting higher than that and you know, maybe Brandon Whedon or somebody else. So I think it's just that I think the fans are just kind of tired of watching, you know, the Jets get a lot of media attention. Especially when a guy who's as bad as Mark Sanchez can actually make it to the AFC Championship game twice. You know, we're just tired of watching people. Everybody else have success, and we're always left behind. And I think they just want to win right now so bad that they just react to everything. They're like, "Here's a quick fix. Here's a quick fix. Let's do it. We can win right now." And I think what a lot of fans need to understand about this is it's highly possible that. Ryan Tannehill could come out and be awesome in a rookie, as a rookie. But this is more along the lines of, you know, we're not looking at 2012 as a Dawson Super Bowl run. We're looking at 2014, right. 15, and beyond. Right. And if Dolphins fans can accept that, and I know a lot of them are upset because they thought we were rebuilding in 2008. Well, we were, but we just yep. picked the wrong quarterback. And exactly. So now we've got another chance. And if this I one mean, works out... That that's that's it exactly is we were rebuilding then we took the wrong quarterback he ended up not being the guy it sets you back five years we're at four years right now and we've cut sling load sorry we've cut bait we're ready to go we're moving on now you have a new coaching staff a new coaching staff always means rebuild you have a new quarterback you have to rally behind him I mean let's say okay. Take Tannehill. Tannehill starts 16 games for the Dolphins this year. 25 touchdowns, 28 interceptions, below 60% completion percentage. How are we reacting as a fan base? You know, well, I think as a fan base, it it depends. Um, You know, as a rookie – you go out there and you put up a year like that. I mean, Peyton Manning had a bad first year. That's whose stats I just gave you, by the way. Do what? Those were those were Manning stats. I, I thought that was <laughs> something similar. Three and thirteen. Um, I I actually gave him one less touchdown. It was twenty six touchdowns, twenty eight interceptions, three and thirteen, and a fifty six percent completion rating. But you know, I mean, to me, what I want to see, and this is why I was never, I, I didn't like Henny so much. It was not the fact that he came in and he struggled or he came in and looked bad. It was the fact that game, you'd have one game like the Monday night game against the Jets, and you're like thinking, wow, this guy, this guy's it. And then there's the next game he had against the Jets where he throws for like 20 yards or something. 
it was like he never progressed. If Ryan Tannehill starts day one and is a better quarterback by game 16, regardless of the record, to me that would be a positive thing because we can move forward with that. I think that's where people got lost with him. From game one to game 16, there was never that – you never saw that, wow, this guy's making progress. And I think we're hearing reports of that in camp is that, you know, Tannehill looked awful in OTAs. They're like, yeah, this guy's the third guy. Comes out, always playing better in training camp. Always plays well in the first game. Now he's having a great week. You can see this. He's kind of learning. He's growing. And if you get that growth, to me that's positive. And that's what I would be looking for as a fan starting a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I love the wins, but as long as he's not – as long as he's not being stagnant or regressing, I'll handle that. <laughs> Sorry, I reading uh <laughs> reading the site, people like my uh twenty seven interceptions in one game thing. <laughs> Lego Soul says twenty six he could live with, twenty seven though, and then uh Alejandro says I would kind of overreact to twenty seven interceptions. Then uh, Jason Scott says you'd be calling for Peyton Manning's head then, 28 interceptions as a rookie. Alejandro said, uh, I forgot he threw them all in one game. So <laughs> Jason Scott missed the one game piece of that, and, <laughs> and it became a whole thread of comments. <laughs> but, um, and then, of course, because we brought up the fun of the Dolphins quarterback situation. We've had Sage Rosenfels mentioned. We've had Cleo Lemon mentioned. <laughs> so this thread just became fun. Oh, that's a question, <laughs> names. I don't care that I ever hear again. <laughs> oh, Big is a trivia question is, who did Ryan Tannehill make us forget about? The question, the, the question is, how many – how many of the Dolphins quarterbacks since Dan Marino who have started at least one game can you name? Because it's 16 or 17 right now. Uh, this could be lots I and think, lots uh, of fun. I think Pat Fan 456 had the best name for Sage Rosenfeld. He called him the Rosencopter. Yeah. But, uh, uh the fun times. Uh, <sighs> uh, okay. So, since we uh, have had our fun and... I, I, I think the danger now to not close the show, which is where I was starting to go. The danger with starting Tannehill all season right now is if the Dolphins go three and thirteen, like uh Trent Green, thanks Limey Finn, Trent Green. Uh, um if uh the Dolphins go three and thirteen, like Peyton Manning did, they would be in the running for the first overall pick. How many fans do you think are going to be calling for Matt Barkley to be selected with that number one overall pick by the Dolphins, even if we still have Ryan Tannehill? Because he obviously can't win. We went 3-13 and with him as a rookie. We have to get Matt Barkley. You know, I think I think the Philly fans would say that, to be honest. Um, I, think, I think fans who know better would say he was a rookie. And look, I'm still of this opinion. We gave Chad Henney four years. If we can't give our first first round pick in a bajillion years at least three, then something's wrong. And that was a technical exact amount of bajillion. <laughs> but yeah, it was, that was it, 
I mean, <laughs> now at the same time, okay, if Matt Barkley goes out there and dominates next year and suddenly looks like Andrew Luck did this year, and the Dolphins do go three and thirteen, it, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting question because if you had if we had taken Chad Henney last year, he went out there and gave us his two thousand nine season. We end up with the first overall pick, and we've only had Chad Henney for one year. Do you dump him to get Andrew Luck? I think ninety five percent of the people would say yes. So if we look at this and go three and thirteen with a rookie who has all the potential in the world and everybody all the quote unquote experts say he has the potential, it's just a matter of who believes that he could start now and develop into that potential, who thinks that he needs a year before he could develop into that potential. How many people would go, you know what? Blow it up already, go get Matt Barkley. I think I think we would have a a large number of people who would immediately go for that. I, I Lego Souls completely agree. If we ended up with that three and thirteen and we we're number one or number two or number three, you stick with Ryan Tannehill, you trade down, get somebody will need a quarterback. I mean hell with the Broncos trade. the Broncos would be looking for a quarterback. If Peyton, I mean, Peyton's not playing forever in Denver, so they could be looking for a quarterback, or somebody's going to be looking for a quarterback. Trade out of there, and you get somebody else to come in, because if you can pick up extra ones, you do it automatically. Um, now, Keith Keith is big on this. The the Packers don't take wide receivers in the first round. And it's true. Um, I don't know if the Dolphins would next year either. I I, I don't know. It, they could, but I don't know if they will. I think safety might be their number one, although if Wilson, Clemens, Culver, and Jones can put it together, maybe we won't need a safety. We have to see what happens this year. Um. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. I think you go safety or maybe cornerback, depending on if the team has given up on Vontae at that point. And then you turn around in in rounds two or three. Now, granted, this is saying we only have one first-round pick. But if something like that trade down happened, you get a wide receiver in the first round. But in rounds two or three, there's going to be a wide receiver sitting there that you want, and you take him then. But – would Dolphin fans react poorly to that? Because obviously wide receiver would be a need. Would they then go, well, they're not drafting. Jeff Ireland is screwing this all up. I don't know. Yeah, and one thing I want to add about Barkley and the luck deal is, yeah, Barkley's a good quarterback. And I like him coming out, and if he'd been available, I would have wanted to draft him. However, I agree with most people when they say, Luck was one of those prospects that comes around once every 10 to 15 years. This is not, you know, oh, well, let's just take a guy because he's a first overall prospect. Luck was one of those guys that you hope fell into your lap like it did for Indianapolis. I don't think Barkley is that guy. Now, some people might, but maybe we're saying in Luck's sophomore year that, yeah, this guy's the real deal. Playing against you, yeah, this guy's the real deal. So, 
I don't think Barkley is necessarily on the same caliber as Luck as a prospect. And so at that point, I you know, like they were talking about with the Rams, they're saying if the Rams ended up with the number one overall pick, do they get rid of Sam Bradford for Andrew Luck? I believe it was Bill Simmons that said, um, he said, a guy like Bradford is in the draft about every year. A guy like Andrew Luck's in the draft every 10 to 15 years. So, yeah, you go for a guy like Luck. So, unless you just are absolutely positive that Barkley is the next coming of Peyton Brady, then you don't take him at all, which I think yeah. that's what people were saying with Luck. I don't think it's going to happen for a while. So, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even attempt to blow it up at all. Hey, Shawnee, this is Kevin. The guy with the southern accent is Chris, which is Duke, <laughs> since you're asking. And I just lost – I just closed my uh, my thread for some stupid reason because I tried to switch tabs and hit the uh, X instead. But somebody on there was saying uh, – that they remember an analyst or ex-player saying you take a quarterback every single year, and I, I, I fully agree with that. I, I'm a big believer that somewhere in your draft, every year you take a quarterback, because that year that in the sixth round you took a flyer on a quarterback that ends up being Tom Brady, you look like a freaking genius. You take a quarterback every year, but you don't take a first, second, third round quarterback every year. You're taking one late. Now, you give Tannehill four years, his contract, to try to show that he can do it. If not, hopefully one of those guys you've taken has started to develop into the guy that can take the job. If not, then you're taking that first round quarterback again until you find the right guy. But yeah, I'm I'm big on you take a quarterback every single year. Um, and, here's, no. and here's the thing about that is You know everybody's going to ever pay for a quarterback Oh yeah so If you do take one He has to be a You know A decent Matt listener Lynn. Yeah he looks like that. Yeah, If you can trade him <laughs> then People will pay you a ransom for that So. Yep But And that's why I'm hoping that My signature can still come true That uh, in 2014 We can draft my cousin Because Hey, you take a quarterback late in the draft every year. I'm all for that. But well, you've got clout now, so go ahead and give Ireland a call and talk to him. Yeah, about yeah. People know me. <laughs> but this is major, Kevin Noble. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, it, I'm just all over the place now. But so our uh, 100 or our one hour show has turned into almost a 90 minute show today which it kind of did last week too. So we're doing a pretty good job of completely blowing past our one-hour goal. But hopefully you guys are enjoying the show as you listen in. Hopefully you two are enjoying talking to me and babbling on about Dolphins football. I love it every week. I think uh, as we get into the season, it's only going to get more and more fun. Um, well, you guys, before, before yeah. we end the show, let me just say, I will be at the game tomorrow night. I'll probably be the only fan walking in with a notepad and a pen. So I will be taking notes. Very but, nice. Um, I'm going to try to get some pictures if I can because I think if I know uh, Bank of America Stadium, I think where I'm sitting will be the tunnel that the Dolphins run out of. So 
Very nice. I'm pretty close. I'm pretty close to that, and I'm on the lower level, which will be good. So, uh, are you from? You're from North Carolina. I'm born and raised in North Carolina. I don't know why. I was thinking you were South Carolina. I don't know why. <laughs> I know that's insulting. I know. I was born in North Carolina. I, I know it's insulting, but yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, I just thought you were South Carolina. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. Uh, I took the day off, uh, the day off work tomorrow. I'm gonna do my absolute dead level best. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a sign and I'm gonna try my best to get on hard knocks. Nice. So I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm actually my sign is going to say put me on hard knocks. <laughs> and then it's, going to, then it's going to say go Dolphins. And then at the very bottom it's going to say thesinsider.com. So I'm gonna throw in yep. <laughs> everything I can get on that sign. So yep. I'm gonna but, hopefully and hopefully then there's uh, a lot of people there and they can catch me and that'll be awesome. And then in ten days or so. Should be about ten days. We just got to get James over to Dallas, and then in uh, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, to opening day for us. I got to get down to Houston, and we can start trying to work on this. <laughs> get get it's, on TV. It's not, it's not over to Dallas. It's down to Arlington. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The Dallas Cowboys don't play in Dallas just like the New York yes, Jets don't play I called play in the New York. Arlington Cowgirls around here. <laughs> but, well, guys, thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, Dolphin fan for L-Y-F-E, thank you for calling in. And uh, hopefully uh, we have another solid game this week, and we have another great episode of Hard Knocks. And we'll have another hour and a half of talking to do by the time we get around next Thursday. So thanks, guys. Everybody else, thank you. thanks for listening as we babble on about the Dolphins. You guys have a good week, and uh, everybody good night. Good night. Good night. It's the two megastars summer mashup, the awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for $0. So you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas. Plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires porting of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, Seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>